Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Too Real with Mike and Jillian, a.k.a. Jillian Rosado, a.k.a. Jezmiel. What did they call you? So before we got married, I don't know why this just literally just came to my head. You love this story. Before we got married, you were at a club. I was at a bachelorette down in Ocean City, Maryland. Okay. And then somebody was trying to kick it. We were like hanging out with these kids and I was like 34, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, this kid was like 21 years old and he was like trying to like schmooze me and we were all heavily intoxicated. (laughs) Um, pre-Jesus. Pre-Jesus. Um, and he kept on trying to talk to me, but he was calling me Jezmiel. Jezmiel. And we're like, I'm like, my name is not Jezmiel. I don't know where that came from. So for a while, my friends kept calling me Jezmiel. Um, and that's where that story originated. Because like when he asked you for your name, was it, were the, like the music loud? And oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was so. the combination of loud music and copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, so Jasmiel. Jasmiel. I don't. I. I don't. I usually when I tell people my name is Jillian, they think on the phone they think I'm saying Joanne. Oh yeah. Which like I guess I get it. I don't know, but Jasmiel was like a whole new level. Oh, when you're at Starbucks, they they spell it with a G. Yes, yeah, Gillian. Gillian. <laughs> um, but you know what? And I know I like clowned on this on the first episode when you were like too real with the Rosados. I think I I think that flows better. With it the gives Rosados? me yeah. I think it like gives me Alan Thick vibes. <laughs> but it reminds me of was it family family ties? Is that no, what it, no, no, uh, uh, growing pains, growing pains. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, we're totally dating ourselves. <laughs> um, Alan Thick is Robin Thick's father. For people who don't know who Alan, Thicke I don't think people is. know who Robin Thick is. I don't think young people know who Robin Thick is. Well, he got canceled. Yes, he did. So right, right. But he's on some show now. What, is he? He's on. Is it The Masked Singer or something? Oh like yes, that? he is on the. Masked Which I'm Singer. like. So I guess he didn't get canceled because here he is. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. found him very creepy. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm a big Alan Thick fan. He's dead think, now, though, isn't he? I think he, I is. think he died. Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Um, yeah. But yeah. Too real with the risottos gives me growing pains vibes, but I think I like it. Oh well, too late. I, I, the the I, thumbnails I feel like are designed. And everything you can like that. fix it really. Because who's Mike and Jillian? Like no we. One. That's that's. But they know are. you as Mike Rosado and me as Jillian Rosado. So too real with the risottos is more identifiable. Can we make like a theme song? Show me that smile again. <laughs> oh my goodness. No. Anyway, so Jillian Rosado, um, and hey, here's a conversation I want to talk about today um something that we run into a lot is um i guess what i would title this um this episode i would call it being triggered um plus emotional warfare that sounds really fancy right it does but the reason i I say that is because well number one you and i are both emotional people yes we're passionate people yes it's in our blood it is in our blood and and like you're italian and i'm puerto rican and so when we argue, it's war, war. There eight. used to be this ongoing debate at one of my old jobs, and they would say, is Jill hot-headed or short-tempered? And both. I'm like, is there a difference? <laughs> both. Um, so but we're both emotional people, but I think you, in our marriage, we've grown to learn to own our emotions and to differentiate the moments where um, I can't put on you w- that I'm feeling this way. Right. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's it, it, sometimes there is a cause and effect, 
But sometimes the cause of it is not you, it's me. Yeah. And I have to own that. Yes. So I want to be cautious because some people are going to want to dismiss this whole conversation because you're like, well, you're you're, you know, denying people's feelings. No, I'm not denying people's feelings. I'm just asking all of us to own our crap. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Um, Because now more than ever, because we have, you know, phrases like that's my truth and this and that. Um, we we negate the other side mm-hmm. um, by saying things like I'm triggered, right? So yeah, we hear it because of our line of work being in ministry. People are triggered all the time. We by talked about everything, it, right? We talked about it at the last episode. We talked about uh, sometimes people are triggered by the word hustle, yeah, right? Because uh, the the word hustle in their minds, the word hustle has hurt them, mm-hmm. right? Or um, what's another word that people get triggered by? The word excellence, right? One of our values is <laughs> excellence. If you're um, watching the video portion of this episode, you're going to see a lot of eye rolling out of me. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but that's just... I think they heard it. <laughs> it was so loud they Could heard it. Did you hear it. the eye roll? <laughs> they heard the eye roll. But I think like people are, are, are triggered by excellence because that's more performance-based culture and all this other stuff. And so humanity always loves to overcorrect. And so since that hurt me, we're going to swing it back the opposite way. Um, But I've learned through, through counseling and overcorrection is never healthy. No, Um, you have to, you have to, the target shouldn't be something that's anti that thing you went through. The target should be what is health. Yeah. And then let that be the guiding light. Let that be the goal. Let that be the target. Uh, just to get vulnerable, like I used to you know, grew up, I didn't have a, a relationship with my biological father. Phenomenal relationship with my mother and my stepdad, but not a good relationship with my father. So I used to think I had an anti-vision for my life. As long as I'm not like my father, I'm okay. Mm. And through counseling and through life experiences and, and life just tenderizing my heart, I had to realize that like that's a bad thing because they're, they're, not everyone is completely evil. Yeah. Shocker. Right. There might be some good characteristics in my biological father that I'm missing out on because I'm saying as long as I'm everything not like him, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I had to learn that that overcorrection isn't the healthiest pathway to, to my healing and wholeness. Yeah. So. But, so that's what we deal with. So people are constantly triggered. And we had to come to the realization that, like, I can't be responsible for everyone's trigger. Yes. That that glossary of trigger words continues to increase on a daily basis. There's going to be a point where I can't even speak yeah. without somebody in the room getting triggered. Yeah. Right? Um, and so it, it, it gets exhausting. And I, we, you and I both have said this, that especially people who are coming from other churches, that were hurt by other churches, I, there has to be a point where I have to tell people, I can't sit around and wait to be the next pastor that hurts you. Do you understand yeah. how unhealthy that is? Mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah. You have to, I'm not asking you to blindly trust me. Mm-hmm. I'm asking you to stop blindly mistrusting me mm-hmm. because that makes all of our jobs. And all I want to do is help you, but I can't help you if you're constantly smacking my hand or constantly tell me you can't say this, can't say that. And so th- that's the part where I feel like um, people have weaponized their emotions. Yeah. I want to I want to validate your emotions, right? I want to hear your emotions. But I think we have to be cautious of when you weaponize it, you reject correction, you stop conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I can't talk about it. So, you're lazy. Let's just say you're lazy and I'm saying, "Hey, I need more 
can't use the word hustle what can i use tenacity <laughs> yeah <laughs> intuition like yeah like and i have to like roll and then sometimes i'm so filtered that i don't even say what the heck i need to say yeah right mm-hmm. and then you walk away unchallenged and i walk away frustrated because they didn't hear what i needed to say in order to help you out yeah and help out the organization does that make sense yeah and you know you that person ends up missing out on healing from whatever that wound is and missing out on growing into like a new better version of themselves because everyone's walking on eggshells around them right right. and it's just like i don't want to live that way and i would hope that nobody else wants to live that way but like it's really comfortable to sit around and have be able to say whatever you want and everyone looks at you like you're so fragile so they're not going to call you out on it and it's just you're living your merry little life just encompassed in that trauma or whatever it is going unchecked. Right. And that's the hard part. When you present fragility, we as leaders and people who are trying to develop leaders, we tend to be tempted to um, not challenge them because Mm -hmm. of their fragility. Yeah. And then when we don't- Some days it's not worth the headache of it. Right. Just right. being being real. Right. Someday <laughs> someday it's not worth the headache. And so I hate the feeling of walking away saying, Oh, that person has so much potential, but they're capping themselves. I'm not yeah. capping you. Yeah. You're capping yourself when you don't do the work of healing. Mm-hmm. Um and so the other the other day our boys had a big sleepover. And a bunch of boys were in our house. So our house smelled wonderful, Ugh. by the way. And there was no food left within the first hour. <laughs> right, right. I um, love it, though. Like, some of them feel so comfortable in our house that they go in. They go right in the fridge. They go right in the cabinets. They know where everything is. One of their friends actually cleans my kitchen. Come on. And I'm Shout like, you AJ. need. Yeah, AJ <laughs> is my boy. Because I'm like, you need to talk to my children. Because he will. Facts. He yells at them. He's like, what are you doing? That goes in the dishwasher. Rinse it off. Right. I'm like. His mom did so good. So good. She did so good. <laughs> I'm out. failing. Yeah. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out AJ's mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're there. And so they leave and they leave a mess. Yes. Right? And so. Except for when AJ's over. Right. Except when AJ's <laughs> over. But I go to our boys and I said, all right, you guys got to clean this up. And they go, well, I didn't do it. They did it. And I said, hey, it's not your fault, but it's still your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Right. So that I think that goes with the same thing with people who are have gone through some traumatic stuff mm-hmm. um, who who have legit moments where they were the victim. Mm-hmm. I get it. It is not your fault. Mm-hmm. Right. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. Where's that from? It's from. Um, uh, oh, my. It's my favorite movie. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault. I picked the spoon. Right. <laughs> so it, it, it's not your fault, but it's still your responsibility. You're mm-hmm. healing. You're, you're damaged. I get it. And, I'm, and I feel sorry and I empathize, I sympathize. I feel that for you. But at the end of the day, it is still your responsibility. It's still your responsibility. We were having a conversation with our friends uh, from Maryland. They came up a couple weeks ago and um, they were talking about uh, how the, the one, my one friend sometimes in the middle of arguments and his wife was right there. <laughs> so they were kind of, you could tell that we were kind of talking about them. Um, and they were saying that sometimes in arguments, somebody will throw the nuke, the nuke, right? The oh, nuclear yeah, bomb. Yeah, yeah. And they said, you're being narcissistic. Yeah. Right? Um, or what was the other thing? You're, you're being arrogant or you're being something, right? And they always drop those bombs in the middle of an argument. Mm-hmm. And the question we came up with in the conversation was, 
why why are the, do those things only come up in arguments? Like if you're really concerned about somebody being narcissistic, if you're really concerned about somebody being arrogant, yeah. why doesn't that come up anywhere else outside of an argument? Yeah, because and, if you really cared about the person, you you would be like, hey, you know, I noticed that you've been doing this and you've been doing that. And like, why do you do those things rather than, hey, you're a narcissist? Right. You know what I mean? Right. And but... Th- I think it's so accusatory, so accusatory and shaming. Right. But we drop it in the middle of an argument. Mm-hmm. And what that does is like, what can you say against that? Yeah. Right. No, I'm not. And, so, and then it yeah. gets into this defensive tug of war. Right. Right. Or I love it when people are like, uh, sometimes there's some, my family members, they, they do this just to trick, just to trigger me. And they say, <laughs> they say, you're so sensitive. And I'm like, I want to be like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but then they, they, <laughs> I'm trapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got me, right? Yeah. The minute I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. Then you're being sensitive. Then I'm being sensitive, <laughs> right? Um, so in that, like, I think sometimes we got to be aware. Sometimes it's accurate. Sometimes that person is narcissistic and it comes out in the argument because it's in the heat of battle and you, you, you say it. But what it does is that it creates pl- spaces for people to be manipulated by those huge terms, especially mm-hmm. nowadays in society, huge terms where just like, that's it. So even if the person is right, they're categorized as a narcissist or an arrogant person and there's nothing you could say about it and the victim wins, mm-hmm. right? And so that victim then turns the other person into a villain and now it's no longer about the actual conversation. Yeah. It's about the fact that you you've been identified now, and you could take any conversation and like any any tiff that you're having, like you didn't load the dishwasher, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. left the dishes in the sink, right. da, da da da, and it goes back and forth. Well, you're a narcissist, and it's like right. it's so damaging because it starts off as something so silly, but you throw that nuke, as you want to call it, yeah. into it, and it's like it brings everything to a whole new level, right. and then it's like well. Like you said, it turns the victim into the victor when it's like, right? come on, man. Right. And how many times have we had huge arguments where at, towards the end of the argument, we don't even know what we're arguing about? No. Right? Because if the, the only way to make a drama a blockbuster is that you need a victim, a villain, and a conspiracy. Yeah. And when those three things get added to the mix of the actual conversation, we're not arguing about it anymore. We're arguing against each other. Yeah. And then nothing's communicated. Nothing gets better Mm -hmm. because somebody's walking away a loser. And that is not the proper way to do relationships and communication. Mm -hmm. But we got to be careful about dropping those nukes. And that's why I called it emotional warfare. Like dropping those nukes are like, well, you hurt me. Right. Okay, maybe I did hurt you. But the minute now, like because you're coming as a victim, Mm -hmm. there's no space to process where each of us went wrong. Yeah. There's no space to own because no one holds the victim responsible. Yeah. Right? No one. It's um it's funny, we I think it was a couple like two months ago at this point, we were attending this seminar um with Steve Cuss with managing leadership anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you're battling with someone who struggles with anxiety and you're throwing stuff at them, <sighs> like right. he made this example of someone someone saying something that was their emotion. And I don't know if I'm going to do this justice. Um, And instead of you 
getting off the treadmill, he calls it, of anxiety and saying, hey, like that's something you're battling with and that's honestly not my responsibility Um, and giving that back to them. You can stay on this anxiety treadmill and you're running, running, running and you're taking all this stuff that's not your responsibility. You didn't cause the issue. You're not like it's all on that person, but they love to throw it on you. Mm -hmm. Am I am I explaining that right? That was like such a big light bulb for me because I do I'm on that treadmill 24 7 um and to be vulnerable we had an argument like a week or so ago and you said something and I said I'm sorry that you're struggling with that but that's not my responsibility and that's something you need to figure out for yourself but in the moment he threw it at me and Mm -hmm. I was like and I was wise enough and not like I paused and rather than responding emotionally like I normally do because I'm a hothead, I pause for a second and I recognize like that's not on me. That's Mm -hmm. something you need to recognize, you need to deal with and you need to heal through. But we're so terrified to say that to other people. That was big for me to say it to you and you're my husband. But if someone's writing an email about this and that, oh, you said excellence and that's blah, blah, blah. Like, hey, you know, that's not my my responsibility. I'm sorry that you were hurt in the past by someone with that model. Mm -hmm. But that's something that you need to work through and I can help you. I can refer people for you, but you're not going to place that on me. And that's very liberating for you if you're the type of person that runs on that treadmill 24-7. And that's also really empowering and like that light bulb moment for that person that's putting it on you. You're helping them through it. If they don't want it, if they want to throw it back in your face, then you can be like, you know what, like, sorry and walk away like you've done your part but it could be something that pushes that person into such a growth period in their life and healing period that i wish we all had the courage myself included to do that more yeah 100 percent. i think um and thank you for putting much junk out there um (laughs) (laughs) that's something you have to deal with in a in a i love everything you said except one thing when you was like, I'm sorry you went through that. Mm-hmm. I had a side conversation with Steve Cuss when we were at that seminar. That's, and I know we shouldn't say I'm sorry. Right, right. And I'm still trying to find the language and I hope that you're going to tell us what he said. Yeah, yeah. Because I, this is something I struggle with. People will be like, well, I don't like this. Well, why are you doing that? And my gut, my, my like immediate reaction is, I'm sorry, sorry. you feel that yeah, way, yeah, yeah. which I'm not sorry you feel that way because I did nothing wrong. I'm yeah. not apologizing for something that somebody else did. Right. What is the right way to handle it's that? A, it grieves me that you're feeling that mm. way, right? So, so like, because it, 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 it shows that emotion, it that shows compassion. that emotional connection and compassion. It grieves me that you're feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Write but, that down. Like but, that, I, yeah. I want to text that to myself right now. <laughs> yeah. It grieves me. It, yeah, it grieves me that you're feeling that way. Um, so it's not like you're dismissing that person's emotions, right? Mm-hmm. That's This podcast is not about us teaching you to dismiss people's emotions. Mm-hmm. I am teaching you how to dismiss people's, putting their responsibility on you. Mm-hmm. You have to be cautious, and this is what I did to Jill. You have to be cautious with people who act like the victim with problems they created. Mm. Ooh, you get that? Yeah. You got to be cautious. Did you hear that? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be cautious with people who act like the victim and problems they created, uh, created because this is what they'll do. They'll use their victimization to manipulate others. Mm-hmm. And for so long, there's some people who have gone through trauma. They, I don't think they do it intentionally, but mm-hmm. I think subliminally they have learned that, oh, I could, I could reject correction mm-hmm. by saying, woe is me. Yeah. I could reject responsibility by saying, woe is me. And I want to be the champion of people who are like, okay, 
that happened. Yeah. Right? But you are not defined by that moment. I flippin' hate the term defining moments. Mm. You're not defined by that moment. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, you're defined by how you walk out of that moment. Exactly. And it's not the experience that defines you. It's what you're walking away from the experience. Yeah. You could walk away with a W or you could walk away with an L. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I, I, I come from the standpoint of like, we, ha- we need to have growth mentality, not a fixed mentality. Yeah. A fixed mentality says, this is the way it is and nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. Where a growth mentality says, okay, I didn't lose, I learned. Yeah. Right? Let's, let's switch that L. You didn't lose, you learned something mm-hmm. so that you can move better. That's yeah. a growth mentality. But so many people are paralyzed, paralyzed as victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, when, and again, I'm not saying you do this intentionally. Maybe some of you do. Let me just call you out. Yeah. Let me just be 100 with you. Some of you know darn well what yep. you're doing. Yeah. Right? Knock it the freak Hunter off. Hunter does that all the time. Oh my he'll gosh. be in trouble for something, then he'll come in. Hunter's like, our youngest. Yes. Yeah. And he'll be like, Mom, do you want to watch All American with me? Let's make tea and let's do this and da da da. And I'm like, Bro, you're in trouble. Like, <laughs> right, what? right. But he knows the angle to like play right, it. And right, I'm like, Ugh. Right. They, can you, you know, give us some other examples of like what we're talking about here that people can connect with that they may have experienced in their lives? Like with people using victimization yes. as manipulation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that might be helpful because some people might not even be aware of it. So, right. not nothing like crazy deep, but like something common that people could experience. Yeah, well, people, sometimes people go, um, Hey, listen. even outside of church context, yeah, yeah, because yeah. a lot of people listening to this aren't from, aren't from a church, church background. Let's just say, for instance, you are looking for a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we all create these lists in our heads, mm-hmm. right? And so, as you're looking for a relationship, you'll go, "Okay, my last boyfriend or girlfriend was one, two, three. I had four. a rule in my twenties that I would never date another person named Jason again. <laughs> Because I dated so many Jasons, because that's like the boy's name of the 90s. And like they never worked out. And it was probably my fault because I was just blind to like everything. Right. But like, yeah, there was, I'm like, I'm never dating a Jason again. Right, right. Done. If you, right. if we met and your name was Jason, I wouldn't have it's a talked to you. Yeah. <laughs> no. My choices were, I think my mom was either going to call me, I think my first name was Matthew. Um, so your brother's name is Matthew. Yes. So maybe that would have been a deal breaker too because you didn't want to date somebody with your brother's name. But um, no, never Jason though. So thank yeah. God. Yeah. But so you start creating this list, right? And um, so they can't be this, they can't be that, you know. And and I'm just going to call you out. Sometimes those things are stupid mm-hmm. that you put on their list. Yeah, right? absolutely. It can't be a lawyer. Can't be white collar, can't be blue collar, can't be. I know be, people, they're like, no more Italians. Yeah, yeah. I can't date another Italian guy, and, they're all crazy. And so, <laughs> what you start doing is you you start demonizing this list. Mm-hmm. And, and if you talk to anyone right now that's dating in their late 30s and 40s, it's already hard, right? And so, again, you, you create this thing, and because those people hurt me. Mm-hmm. And so, you you get defensive around those types of people, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so, what I suggest would be forget characteristics for a second mm-hmm. and just talk about the condition of someone, the characteristics of their heart. Yeah. And so that's healthy, mm-hmm. right? Because if I said, I'm never going to date a brunette with, with blue eyes ever again, I would have missed out on you. Right? Yeah. Um, but, but again, you, you, you become victimized by those things mm-hmm. and you're going to miss out on what what are the possibilities of the best type of life you actually want to live yeah yeah because you're carrying that burden onto other people that weren't even there mm-hmm. right they weren't even there to experience what you experienced and and you're demonizing this list where it had nothing to do 
Blue eyes didn't hurt you. Yeah. Right? Bald heads didn't hurt you. Yeah. Jason didn't hurt you, girl. <laughs> right? That the, that's debatable. <laughs> the name the name itself didn't hurt you. Yes. Um so you have to then just get at the more you walk through life, don't define what's the villain. Define who the hero is more. Yeah. Right? Um and and define what health is more. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good example of not just playing the victim. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like in, in relationships. But I also think too, like, um, it's people who are like, well, um, well, you know, I, actually this was me. I grew up without a dad, so nobody really challenged me and nobody, I don't do well with bosses. I don't do well being told what to do. Mm -hmm. Get over yourself. Yeah. And I'm talking to me. Get over yeah. yourself. Learn to heal from that. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we need people to challenge us. We need people to get up in our faces. And I used to I used to use that. I used to manipulate people. Like, you got to understand, I, I didn't grow up that way. So you, you got to come at me a little softer right now. You mm -hmm. got to ask me. Don't tell oh, me. Oh, or people that are like, they're so fragile, you have to sandwich method them, oh, which yes. is like my least favorite thing in the world. Like, you'll do that to me. So I'm like, don't you sandwich method me. <laughs> and if you know what sandwich method is, like a compliment, then you give them the meat of the challenge and then you compliment them again. I just like, I hate it because it, it, I feel like it, and I know some people need that, but I don't agree because I feel like it diffuses the essence of what you're trying to get at. Right. Like you're creating these fake encouragements just so that you right. can be like, yo, you're showing up for work late every day. Right. What are we doing? But hey, you know, you do a really great job here, but like you're showing up for work late every day and like I need you to be on time, right. but like we really value you. Right. And it's like how... How how serious are they taking that challenge when you're like, you're doing great. We really value you, but like you show up late every day. So yeah. in their mind, they're like, well, they think I'm really great and they really value me. So why am I going to show up on time? Like right. they're going to keep me anyway. Right. And sometimes you got to feel the weight. Yeah. And when you buffer that for people, they yeah. don't feel the weight of it. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't mean, again, we're not saying that you never encourage people. Yeah. I think you should encourage people. No, I'm a outside, huge encourager. Outside of the challenge. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, not just when you have the challenge. Right. Um, and so we, we have to then just say, okay, I have to own my triggers. Mm -hmm. These words by themselves aren't bad. Mm -hmm. You could be offended. You could be offended by something that's not offensive. Mm -hmm. Right. We, 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 when we took over the third church <laughs> that we took over, remember they're like, some of them were offended by the holes in the jeans oh or goodness. some of them offended by the way we dress. The way we dress wasn't offensive but people can still walk away being offended. Yeah. And then what you do is you make everyone cater mm -hmm. to your fragility, mm -hmm. right? You, everyone cater to, and that's my fear, and I know I'm going to sound like an old fart when I say this. My fear is that everybody wants to move. We have to make sure society moves at the pace of the most fragile person in the room. Yeah, and that's, that's just going to be the downfall. And you have to recognize that that's going to slow up every organization, that's going to slow up every relationship when you have to move at the pace of the most fragile person in the room. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not saying to stop caring. I'm not saying to be callous. All I'm saying is to own your stuff and get some flipping healing. Mm -hmm. Go get a counselor. And if that counselor is telling you uh, to like, hey, you know, 
don't mess with those type of people. Don't expose yourself to these things and that kind of stuff. If they're if they're telling you to shelter themselves, then get a new counselor. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you have to go back and live life. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. You're going to get hit in the chin and you're going to get hit in the chin again and again. Life doesn't again. care about your trigger words. Life does not does care not about your care. trigger words. Does nope. not care what you've been through. Nope. If it's going to turn your world upside down, it's going to do it regardless of how you'd like it. Yep. And so you just have to be a good steward of your healing. Mm-hmm. Your, your emotions are great servants. I don't want to demonize even emotions. Because mm-hmm. there's sometimes we're like, yo, I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I think emotions give give room for conversations. Mm-hmm. They're great servants, but they're horrible masters. Yeah. And I think right now, if we're not cautious, our society is going to the, uh, going, you know, on this path of emotion is king. Mm-hmm. This makes me feel bad. And then now, you know, <laughs> we'll close with this stupid example, but I think it's funny. Um, I forget over in another country, there were th- these people um, protesting against Starbucks because um, the cost of, of um, non-dairy options were more than milk. Which I think is ridiculous <laughs> because I can't have dairy. I know, but but think about it. <laughs> no, but it is more expensive. I understand that. Because like they're just <laughs> dialing down the cost. Right, right, right. Um and which people will complain, why are they charge charging me a surcharge for using a credit card? Well, because the credit card company charges the business that and when business is down, they can't afford those fees. Like right, it is right. what it is. It's not they're not trying to be evil. Like right, it just right. it's the trickle down effect. Right. And not everyone is uh lactose intolerant yes right um and and they didn't understand like the like yo it's it's making oat milk and making almond milk and and all these other different varieties of lactose free stuff it just might require more i don't know Mm -hmm. i'm not in that business but it might require more than just milking a cow yeah right um but they wanted to protest that and so you, you have society needing to make a decision based on the small amount of people mm-hmm. rather than working on a compromise or something different. But again, we're just always trying to train people. Let's move at the pace of the most fragile minority in the room. Yeah. And that at the end of the day, that's going to break down. Yeah. I believe it's going to break down. And as leaders, you can't do that all the time. Spoiler alert. A lot of the non-dairy options that establishments use are terrible for you. That's true. They have a lot of chemicals and sugar in them. Right. So just do black coffee. It's easier. That's right. It's better for you. Like coffee, no sugar, no cream. That's the kind of girl I like down with my team. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So learn to own your triggers, right? And learn to, like, not drop nukes in the middle of conversations Mm. emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, Own your stuff. Get healing. And um, let's just be better. Yeah. Just be better in relationships. Be better with your emotions. And emotionally grow. Don't have a fixed mentality. Have a growth mentality. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting it up. This was like Mike's solo episode. No, you had it. I'm teasing. I, uh, I'll, I'll be back with one where I'll monopolize the conversation. Sure. You monopolize the calendar. That's my weakness. I do. Yeah. I do. But um, if you enjoyed what you heard today, share the podcast with a friend. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to the YouTube. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Mike Rosato at Jillian Rosato on TikTok at Mike Rosato at Jillian dot Rosato. Let's campaign to like get me the at Jillian yes. Rosato. Yes. It's stupid. I don't even. I didn't even know what my handle was until it came to this. Um, <laughs> But we will be back next Wednesday with another podcast. Talk to you later. Peace.